This is Chris. And this is Andrew, and welcome back once again to Video Games Cover to Cover. Today is episode 76 overall, or chapter 20, of Dragon Quest XI Definitive Edition on Switch. Echoes of an Elusive Age S. Yes, all those things he just said. It's, it's hard to keep track of. You know, this game has so much going on. So the, the good time. news, though, is it does seem like we're getting very close to the end of Act 2 now. So initial fears that this was going to be as long as The Witcher are fading, because I don't think we've got quite that much left in it. <laughs> uh, well, I'm pretty sure we have more episodes than The Witcher already. Uh, we did like 30-some episodes on The Witcher, I'm pretty sure. Oh. N- okay. Witcher was really long. It was... Uh, well, I'm going to go look because I'm thinking about it now, but I'm almost positive it was like over 30. So last week, we ended with the story of Eric and his sister and, you know, more lamenting about how dark Act 2 has been compared to Act 1. And surprise, that's not going to be any better this time. Yeah, things are definitely still still pretty bleak. And no reason whatsoever to think that that's going to change. It's it's definitely not. We're we're gonna be in pretty bleak territory. It seems for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and by that we mean at least. No, oh, no, it wasn't thirty some. It was twenty three episodes. So we're coming up pretty close. Anyway, so as we continue, next up is Arborea, where we've been theoretically trying to head this whole time, but keep getting sidetracked by random things that require our attention, like weird dreams. Exactly. And since we're in Sniffleheim, I mean, there's basically nothing stopping us. I think we said last time that Eric's sister was safe and sound, but she basically just needed to rest, just like the Luminary. (laughs) I forgot his name because it's like, wait, isn't the Luminary my name? (laughs) Just like the main character, I guess. Uh, although I do want to point out, is it is it here or is it something coming up that I think it was actually in the fight with his sister that everybody kind of gets knocked to the ground except for the luminary who only goes down on one knee. No, no, it's it's coming up. It's coming up. Here. Yeah, it's, it's okay, the, okay. The fight coming up here. Yeah. Yeah, so exciting times because for once the luminary isn't garbage. For once he's the only one who stands up instead of the only one who falls. Exactly. We get to we we start on our way to Arborea and that dragging creature that was frozen in ice before turns out hey, dragging creature is no longer frozen in ice. Yeah. Surprise. And I was like, "Oh, cool. I get to fight the dragging creature." I'm like, "This is going to be fun." Now, I do need to mention that oh no i haven't done this yet so never mind no reason to, no reason to okay. mention anything just yet but i think i think we all know where i'm going here i think um, we all know what's about to happen what you destroyed it is that what you were about to say well no i did destroy it 
but something may have happened after we get, you know, after we're reunited with the rest of the party. And by the rest of the party, you mean Serena. So during this fight, yes, of course. I mean, like as, as normal, it, it wouldn't be my playthrough if I didn't absolutely annihilate this thing, which <laughs> I did. And then the dragon comes back and it's like, I was just saying, I'm glad some things are consistent in this playthrough, regardless of what else might happen. I mean, that is the one consistency that we really have going here is that I'm going to absolutely house everything that I come across. Yeah. Like the whole world has gone to crap in this game. Everything is terrible, but the one consistent point is that Chris is going to steamroll everything. (laughs) Well, that's just how I do, you know, it, there's nothing I can do at this point. It's kind of, you know, just how I roll. Once we defeat the dragon creature, the dragon's like, oh, I've been encased in that darn luminary from before encased me forever, which now I believe, ha- have we confirmed yet that that is definitely Erdwin? I mean, I would assume. I mean, like, yes, they've established that the previous luminary was Erdwin. I have to assume that's the one he's talking about because they haven't really mentioned any other luminaries. Yeah, and he's like, that darn Erdwin, we are, I'll get you next time, Gadget. He's like, I am going to, but now I'm back and I'm going to eat all of you first. And I was like, cool, no, you're not. I destroyed him. And then somehow the game was going to pull this crap about how, oh, you're going to lose. And he suddenly gets this awesome power and he starts to, he blows something at the group and everybody drops to a knee on the ground, but the luminary, the luminary drops to his knee. He's the only one standing at this point. And then you hear this, the wondrous sounds of harp, harp playing. Which immediately says, oh, it's finally, it's it's the twins, because that's Serena, because she always played the harp. I'm so excited. But it's not the twins, it's just Serena, which was disappointing. Indeed. It was only Serena standing there, and she's got the harp. And basically what she was saying was, hey, I, I was just kind of on my way. She plays this harp. And this thing is like, oh, what is that awful sound? And I was like, um, seemed like she wasn't doing bad. Seems kind of rude from your perspective (laughs) that you're really throwing her under the bus here. I mean, to be fair, it could just be that monsters have different aesthetic tastes than we do. You know, like we never really got to see that newsletter that the monsters loved so much that they put hanging up somewhere. But, you know, maybe it was one that we wouldn't have liked so much. Like, I don't know. Maybe maybe they just have different aesthetic tastes, and that's just how they are, and you can't really judge them for that. So what we think is nice music, they may think is garbage. I don't know. And vice versa. Their well, monster music might sound like garbage to us. He seems to think that it was like blood-curdling, because it somehow zapped him of all of his power. And he 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 dropped to the ground, and then she, like, annihilated him with some attack. So I don't know what Serena has done or learned in this time, but it seems like she's doing the right things. And I do want to point out that it does seem a little odd that it seems like the only person who has not gotten an upgrade so far is Silvando. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Hendrick, we don't know because he started off with a huge thing, but everyone has gotten an upgrade but Silvando. 
Yeah, and that was really weird. And I, I remember we specifically pointed it out when he rejoined because of how odd that felt. But now the Luminaries hasn't been huge because everything else was exactly the same except for the section called Luminary, which admittedly is like twice as big as it used to be. But compared to some of those growths, like, you know, he didn't get any new sword skills or whatever, whereas like Jade and Rab, their weapon skills section doubled. So that was a little strange, but... But yeah, Savando's the only one who hasn't gotten anything new. Which definitely felt a little odd. And, and I don't know, maybe that's his entire skill tree? It would be kind of disappointing if it is, but who who knows? It's certainly not me yet. I mean, if we're nearing the end of Act 2, then it's probably not. Or it probably is his entire skill tree, in which case, yeah, that does, that does kind of stink. I mean, it, it, it stinks mo- more that... He should have gotten some kind of upgrade, too, as opposed to the idea that, you know, oh, well, his skill tree isn't enough or whatever. I mean, he's got some good things in there, but yeah, he really should have gotten something new. I mean, admittedly, his whole point is Silvando kind of knows everything already. So I guess on some level, what is there for Silvando to learn? Because he's already so amazing. Yeah, and I mean... I guess that kind of fits with the whole thing that he's, you know, clearly like the bard type character or whatever. So you have... He doesn't have a lot of depth to his tree, but he has a lot of different options. He's been this awesome pirate. He's been this th- this amazing knight. He is a circus performer. It's like he's everything. Oh, okay. So fine. Sure. You don't get another skill tree because you are already amazing, I guess. But at this point, Serena joins and she also doesn't have a skill tree and she also has basically no skill points. Like when you first get her back... She honestly kind of su- she doesn't suck as badly as Eric did because it's not like they take away her old tree like they did for Eric, but it's kind of lacking because she's barely got any skill points despite having jumped in level a ton and stuff. Did she? I mean, she was up and up with the rest of my party when she joined. I definitely did not notice that. I mean, I didn't look, so it's I literally just I didn't notice that. The party, unsurprisingly, is surprised that. You know, Veronica isn't with Serena, which, you know, I was also surprised because, gosh, you know, they're like inseparable. And she also says the same thing. Oh, well, I would have thought she was with you, but so she must be back at Arboria. She probably made her way there first because I've been trying to do that for a while and haven't been able to get through. And she talked about how she kept getting sidetracked by needing to help people and stuff, which, you know, good on you. Which it almost seems weird that we didn't get Switch content for them. Oh, yeah. No, that still seems really weird. Especially if Serena's been going around helping people, so I, at this point, I definitely don't really know what's going on there, but we're about to find out. Because when we get to Arborea, we get inside, and there's Serena's and Veronica's parents. They're standing there, and they're talking about how, oh, we wish our daughters would come yeah, home. They're, they're basically praying for their safety and how they hope they come home and stuff, yeah. And, like, we can't, you know, we really want to see them again. We don't know what's going on. And it's it, it's it's a touching moment of, okay, well, we really miss them. We want to see them. We don't know what's going on. The world is, like, really bad right now, so we have no idea what's going on. But, again, immediately this says, well, Veronica's not here either, which has me worried. And so then Serena says, well, I've got an idea. Because when we were children, we used to always go to this spot. And then she's like, it's to the north. And then it kind of pans over to this side thing where that girl was from Act 1. Yeah, it's the... It's the same place where you had the girl who wanted the seeds to try to, like, the wishing flowers or whatever, which 
wonder what happened to her because I didn't see her at all. But I, you know, she I wouldn't. Maybe she was there and I just didn't notice. Yeah, I wasn't really looking for her because I. At first, I was like, about. okay, so if she is in this little section, you have to walk through town to get there. Yeah, that was my thought too. Was like, did not just that, but like, has no one checked over here? Not just for her, but like some kind of patrol or something because like how is it that nobody ever goes into this section it's not like it's super dangerous or whatever it's just a nice little forest grove yeah and they clearly have said it's like this is what we always did as we were children wouldn't her parents have known that and been like hey let's go check that spot they were always in maybe they ended up there somehow instead of coming to see us first so veronica's there it seems like she is passed out next to a tree with her staff. Yeah, all the way in the back of this little grove. And Serena... Which makes the- it all the more weird that no one noticed her. Right, exactly. It's like, did nobody ever go check this whole time? That feels weird. Because it's been months now we've established. And, and, and I understand that, sure, that they probably have other stuff going on. But as her parents... Okay, if you're at the point where you're praying with the priest for their safe return... I mean, I'm sure that they would have done that immediately anyway, but what I'm getting at is I'm pretty sure no matter what they were dealing with in town, they definitely would have been looking for their daughter as well. And why would they not have looked here? So that does seem a little strange, but not not to harp on that too much. I, I feel like they could have put her in a... Because if they had put her somewhere else that had there was a bunch of monsters around or whatever, I could have said, okay, realistically, like maybe her parents could not have made it there because there's an additional monster presence or something. But yeah, like literally, it's not like, oh, you have to get through some big monster to fight or something. Because again, like you say, that might have made sense or, you know, they could have put up a gate or something. But no, it's just this wide open area that you can just walk into that has absolutely nothing going on that somehow no one has ever gone into in months. Except for that little girl who appears to be gone. Uh, But Veronica is there, much to my surprise, because I was a little, I was like, okay, it it, it seems weird that they would be throwing that at us. And her staff is there. And the staff starts glowing much like the Yggdrasil roots have done in the past. Yeah, so... Serena, for her part, is immediately like, oh, hey, why don't you go touch the staff? Maybe it'll do the same thing, which, I mean, that's that's fair. It seems kind of strange that it would work in the same way, but I can understand that idea. And she's right. It does work. And then things get we get we get even more downer, to, to put it mildly. We get to the flashback that we get through this staff is. Going back to the moment when the end of Act One, when the Lord of Shadows beat us, and specifically we get a, some time of Veronica using all of her magic to basically protect everyone else with like force fields or something, so that they can be you know s- s- sent away and survive. And the key here being everyone else. Well, yeah. So she specifically. When it's happening and when everything is dying, not only does she do that and and she she just basically flies everybody away, just like the Dragon Balls whenever Shinron leaves. It also has to 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 flash back to that foreshadowing they did at the end of act one 
as if they're like, in case you forgot, she totally said that she was going to die. As if she knew going into that fight that she was not going to make it out of there. Which is a very, very common trope in these sorts of scenarios for when you go fight the big bad evil guy or in movies or whatever else. Which, you know, like we've established, Dragon Quest loves its tropes and doesn't really scatter a whole lot from those baselines. But I got to admit, this one this one hurt a little bit because I, didn't, I definitely did not want this to happen, and definitely not to Veronica. Yeah, so from my perspective, I was like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter because Veronica's going to come back anyway. So I ha- was holding my hat this whole time on, I never got the cat suit. Well, I know for a fact that the cat suit is in this game, so it's obviously impossible for Veronica to be dead. So from my perspective, I was just like, oh, it's kind of cool. It's probably going to lead to some touching moment of growth for Serena, and like it's going to band the whole party together, and we're going to be able to do this, and it's then you know we'll find some way to save her and Master Pang. I mean, and that, that all sounds really nice, but I... At least based on anything I know at this point, no guarantees of that. Although Dragon Quest not it resolving in some kind of happy ending seems like kind of a surprise, but I guess that doesn't inherently mean, you know, bring back the dead party member necessarily. So, Well, Andrew had specifically, he, he had told me off to the side, and I don't want to... He, he, we, had, we had a small conversation about this, and he had specifically said, you know, that was a real touching moment. And I was like, how? How was that touching for you? And I want to point that out because I feel like I'm heartless. But the entire time for me, it was broken in the fact that, oh, well, I know she's going to come back. So, like, it doesn't even matter. But then Andrew was like, uh, by the way, I looked it up. We missed the cat suit and it's an act one. Well, specifically, I was in Gondolia because I was going around checking stores and stuff in different areas to see if there was anything better and doing side quests and stuff. And I saw the cat suit was on sale and I went, that's weird because I don't have anybody who could use it right now. Why is it on sale? And I went and looked, looked it up cause I got curious and yeah, it became available when you got to gondolier originally in act one. And I'm like, Oh, cool. To which when he told me that I was like, Oh, so not only did I not have the cat suit since Gondolia, but Veronica's probably actually dead now because immediately after you have this interaction, you kind of figure that out. Basically, once you realize that she's dead, the entire party is kind of like, oh, man, this is, you know, this is, this sucks. And Ra- Rab does the whole, like, why did the good die young and like all of these things and. When we were talking about this moment, the thing I specifically said was it should have been Rab instead. And, I, and of course, Chris had to make the comment of, oh, Andrew's out here. To- well, you're clearly ageist and you just hate the elderly. Right, exactly. Andrew's out here <laughs> being anti-elderly or whatever. But when I say it should have been Rab, it makes more sense to be Rab in the story for multiple reasons. But I also think that by not... The more I've thought about it, the more I realize that if it had been Rab, I don't think it would have hit as much because it being somebody that I wouldn't have naturally expected it to be made it hit harder for me. Yeah, and to be perfectly honest, I would not have cared if Rab bit the bullet here. I would not have cared at all. It's like Rab's cool. He's our grandpa or whatever. But no, I don't really care about him. 
elderly mentor character sacrificing themselves so that the youthful heroes can go on and save the world is a very common trope. And again, like, you know, Dragon Quest loving its tropes the way it does, like, it, that just feels natural. Like, it's the same sort of thing as, like, your Obi-Wan Kenobi or all your other, like, older mentor characters. Like, that's what they do. And so that the heroes have to go off and do things on their own, but, yeah, you know, after having gotten their guidance. And Rab also just sort of felt like he didn't quite fit into the party in the same way in terms of, like, what was his role exactly other than in Act 2 to basically be the only mage for 90% of it? But what was, okay, but by that standpoint, what is Eric's role? He's the thief. So what I'm talking thief? like mechanically. I've literally what is his never role? stolen anything this entire game. Like, what is his purpose? There's there's never been anything in this whole game that has required thievery in any way, shape, or form. He's the the, the like high speed DPS fighter. Like that's his his role mechanically. Uh and he does a lot of status effect stuff. But he could be Rab's- high speed DPS until Jade shows up, in which case then he's useless. But my point with Rab is like, he hasn't, he had his moment where he learned new stuff, but like, as he levels up, he wasn't really getting new spells hardly at all, like compared to everybody. Well, I guess I shouldn't say compared to everybody else, because for a while he was the only one who was getting spells at all. So I guess maybe this, like I said, he basically felt like he was there to bridge the gap for while we were waiting to get Serena and Veronica back. But now it's like, okay, why are you here? Like, I mean, what, what, why would I put Rab in my party compared to anyone else? I don't put any magic characters in my party anyway, so it doesn't, like, it's no different for me for Serena or Veronica at this point. I don't use magic because I mean, there's, like, I'll no be, point to it in this game. I'll be honest, I've used, I, I use Serena all the time now. She's super good after the, the events that happen here when... I still don't because everyone else in my party is just so good there's seriously, I have not found a need for magic at all. And when I do feel the need for magic or healing or something, I just throw Silvando in and have him do hustle dance. Like there is no point for any magic users for me. I just, I don't use them, which I know sounds incredibly weird considering like <laughs> I love for magic you, stuff. It's literally say, everything. Yeah. It's just magic in this game is just not good. It's just not there. I There's like two or three spells that hit everything, and that's what I want. When my other party members are already doing that, why put magic in there? To use the one spell that hits everybody? Who even cares? I don't know. For me, it just... I, I said it last time, so I'm not going to harp on it too long. I just I don't use magic at all because I just find it pointless in this game. It seems like it does... It has no impact on my day to day when I'm playing. I now, like, for Rab's magic, I 100% agree, which is part of what I was getting at. Like, he just does not feel very powerful, but Serena, like, abs- is absolutely wrecking face for me now with the dual wielded wands and stuff and all of her new upgrades that she gets during these events. But getting back into that, I guess. So, you know. We take Veronica back and we do the, they do the Arborian funeral. And then you get asked to, you know, stay at the inn. And in the morning, you know, we can talk about what you need to do next. But that night, the luminary wakes up and there's heart playing. And so obviously, Serena's, you know, awake and 
presumably like playing harp for her sister because you know that's just what happens in these sort of scenarios well and you have the opportunity to talk to the other party members and they're all like oh this is so depressing and horrible and i'm like okay dick you want to like calm down a little bit serena has just lost her twin sister i i gotta be honest not only do we lose veronica but at the same time, I leg- it legitimately feels like the rest of the party just do not care at all. And I that really ticks me off. I just I, I got the impression that it's more like an annoyance to the rest of the party because almost immediately they're like, oh, well, we still need to continue because, you know, the world is still ending, by the way. So... We kind of need to keep going and figure out. We kind of need to do what we what we came here to do. It's like, wow, can you not just take a break for five minutes so Serena can mourn the loss of her twin sister? And it's like, and it's not just Rab; it's everybody who's doing it. I mean, on on yeah, Jade is kind of like, oh, she lost her sister. That really sucks, and you know, I really feel for, her and I hope that there's something that we can do. But even she, it's like in the next screen, it's kind of like, yeah, we really got to get moving. Okay. Like, what is wrong with you people? It just kind of seems like the game as a whole is just like, oh, whatever. You know, one of your female party members is dead, but they don't really matter anyway because, you know, they're not men. Uh, That's a rough thing to say, but I'm not at all sure you're wrong. I mean, yeah, from, from my perspective, it seems... To say it, it sounds horrible, but that's because I honestly believe, like, I'm not kidding here. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like, ah, nobody cares about the female party members anyway, so let's just keep moving on. Like, why are you presenting it like that? A party member is dead. But, I mean, you say that, but at the same time, you were also, like, talking about how it didn't really impact you at all either, so I guess you agree with them. It's not that I don't agree. The reason I said that is because I was sure she was coming back. I am just as upset thinking now that she's actually dead, which is why I'm so annoyed at this moment in time, because if she is actually dead, then that super upsets me. Yeah, I thought the whole her being a child thing was weird and running around with us, but I feel like her personality really made up for that, and she is 100% going to be missed as the party. And sure, I don't use magic. That's no different from a Rab perspective. And here's the thing. If it was me and I had a choice, I'd have sacrificed Rab all day, with the exception of Jade and Hendrick. No offense, Silvando. I would have sacrificed literally anyone else. I have my three favorite characters. We know who they are. Veronica, Jade, and Hendrick. Silvando is a close force, but unfortunately, if it's between him or Veronica, I'm sorry, buddy, but you're going to have to go. There's nothing I can do. I wish there was another way, but unfortunately, (laughs) there's nothing I can do. Now, if it was between Silvando and Hendrick, then yeah, for me, that would be kind of a that would definitely be more difficult because Hendrick is, you know, he was kind of a, he was kind of a dick through all of act one. And Silvando has been ride or die with basically zero information. So I, between those two, I I don't know. I really don't know. I don't think I could make a really good choice, but Veronica or Silvando, like, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm really sorry (laughs) about this. 
you know, you have been ride or die and I love you, buddy. But she pledged her literal life to me. I mean, to be fair, that's basically what ride or die is too, but it's like, it's time for the or die part, Silvando. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> It's like, I'm really sorry. And I don't, and then I, I do, I want to preface this. It has nothing to do, like, I, I do really like Silvando's character. If I had to kill, I'd take, if I had to kill Eric, Rab, or Serena over Silvando, 100%. I'd do it in a heartbeat, you know? If I had to kill the luminary over Silvano, yeah, I'd kill the luminary. <laughs> that would have been really funny, actually, if the quote unquote main character died at the end of Act One and it was just everybody else being I maybe mean, funny isn't the right word, but it would have been interesting if the main <laughs> character died and <laughs> Oh, the main character's dead. Everybody ah, has to pick it up. You're terrible. Hilarious. <laughs> but that would be the kind of twist that would be like really memorable to me of, oh, well, the actual, the, the person that we've thought was the main character this whole time is gone now. Ah, so you, so the Red Dead Redemption, uh. Okay, yes, but that was at the very end of the game. <laughs> this would have been, you know, a third of the way in. Uh, I, I guess spoilers for Red Dead, although it's kind of, it's late now. I mean, it's too late, and we both know I'm not going to go back and fix it. And honestly, like, you know, anything we talk about, like, wait, <laughs> When it's over a decade old, I think spoiler warning is probably not. If we have to spoil all that stuff, then we just can't talk about anything at that point. I mean, the thing is, here's here's the other point. I had never, I never even played Red Dead Redemption, the 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 original one. So like, I didn't even know <laughs> that that happened. So as we, you know, complete all this, you go and you talk to Serena, and you know, she talks about how. Veronica was always the the first of them, like in terms of, you know, she was the first one to pick up on spells. She was always the leader of the two of them and how lost she felt without Veronica around. Um, but then she, you know, repledges her loyalty to the cause. And, so, you know, like for Veronica, I'm going to finish this because that's what she wants. Exactly. And, and as she's playing the harp, the she kind of turns into... Her, her her staff kind of glows because I think her staff was there. Her staff kind of glows and it almost seems like Veronica's essence was put into Serena. So in yes. some level, Serena's still with us. Or, Veronica, or Veronica yeah, is yeah. still with us, I guess. And that's, it's not even almost just kind of like that because and after this event, she learns all of Veronica's abilities and has both of their skill trees. And everything switched together and presumably all of the skill points that Veronica used to have. And going forward, she gets a ton of skill points when she levels up, too, which I assume would be the skill points of both characters. But her increased tree is gigantic because now she has, like, twice as many things plus more that wasn't even available before, I don't think. Like, the ability to do double cast, which is amazing and part of why I love her. So, yeah, we... Veronica, for... On some shape or form is is going to be with us for the rest of this adventure in inside of Serena and which I mean is nice it doesn't make her death feel any less sucky to me but like it it, it is nice I still have hope that we can save both her and Grandmaster Pang and the reason for this is because right now nobody can pass on to Yggdrasil it seems like they're all kind of stuck in oblivion and rab and i were able to get out 
I'm really hoping that there's some way that we can save them because that's basically the only hope that I'm kind of holding on to right now. Because I, I really was, I was so sure that she was going to come back because we hadn't gotten the cat suit. I was like, we, I have to, like, I know that's an item in the game. I've seen the pictures. She, she has a cat suit. Like, if we haven't gotten it so far, we have to get it at some point. Like, she, we, she has to come back. Which I mean, to be fair, the fact that the cat suit was something that we just missed doesn't inherently mean she couldn't come back. So maybe, you know, we can still keep that hope alive. We just can't use the cat suit as proof of that anymore. Well, yes. And that's the thing is now I have no proof. You just have belief in your heart. Yeah. Because I, I know at one point I thought you said that all the female party members were an option that you could apparently I did, choose. At I the didn't end even of the think game. it was female. I thought it was just all party members, period. Oh, okay. Well, you can wind up with Silvando or something if you want. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Ooh, I was kind of on, on some level. I was thinking, oh, okay. Well, that that means Veronica has to be there because they're the the developers are creepazoids, and of course they want to marry a girl that looks like she's twelve but is in reality twenty seven because of magic. Like they're super mega ultimate creep. So why wouldn't they want that? Okay, so Andrew. She has to come back because these guys, these developers are they're giant too creepy to let perverts. her die. Like they they're huge mega ultimate perverts. Anyone who like the, the I I don't I don't know what to tell you. Like this game is just like ultimate perversion from what I can tell so far. I mean, I definitely wouldn't go that far because there's plenty of other games that are way more perverted than this, but it is an uncomfortable level of perversion. I mean, sure, you have straight up like actual perversion games but as far as a triple a title is concerned you know outside of gta where you can do whatever you want in that game like it just seems really weird that they are just so like going out of their way to dump on all of the female party members i mean i don't disagree with that for sure the the ladies have it feel like they have it so much worse than the the men in this game in general because even like the problems that the men are having that they're working through are relatively minimal comparatively other than you know, like, Oh, Savando, you know, ran away from home to go join the circus. Or like, cool for good for him or whatever. Like, I'm glad he took that initiative, but with the exception it remotely of Eric, compare. I need to point out. Yeah. I was about to say, Eric is the only one that is on a similar level here, like, but we established last week that they just seem to like really love dumping on Eric. Yeah, they, they don't like Eric, and they don't like the women. It seems pretty clear. So, the canon party that the game seems to want you to have is what we had, like, the first time we got the party back Hendrick, together. Hendrick, Silvando, Rab, you know, that's it. Yeah, exactly. And those are the first people that you get. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like, the very first people they gave back seem to be the people that they want you to have. Which it's very clear that that's what they want you to use for the rest of the game, because those are the first people that they get. They're like, oh, Rab's just the best. And he, I will say, Pearly Gates, I mean, why would I, give me a reason why I would use Serena over Rab when Pearly Gates hits the entire party. I mean, she has multiple spells that hit the entire party, and she has the double cast. By multiple spells, which, which ones are you talking about? Are you talking about boom, better boom, and best boom? Because that's not even a choice. I mean, yes, but also Kakrak, uh, she has like literally basically like every spell. Like Her spell list is like five pages now. It's huge. 
Thank you, Crack, and Kaswoosh, which is amazing. It does tons of damage. That doesn't hit Swish doesn't hit everyone. Right. I want to hit everybody. But Kakrak does, and it does quite a bit of damage. I'll try. Once again, the biggest thing is sometimes if she gets the double cast, it doesn't cost any extra mana, and that's amazing. I'll really give it my best effort. But but Rab has so much mana at this point. He's got like 450 mana. It's just an insane amount. Like, I never run out. And then I have party hats on everybody. I basically run around and just like destroy everything. I I want to point out is immediately after this that something happens for me. Okay. That we'll get into in a minute. So after we have that touching reunion between Serena and Veronica, and she even says, Hey, I'm really sorry about this, but I feel like I'm about to to cry. Can you just stay with me for a while? Oh, yeah, of course, considering the rest of the party just doesn't even care. I I have to be honest, main character aside, if I'm friends with a whole group of people and one person is having a really bad day, just because they might be closest to, let's say, you in this case, doesn't mean I'm going to be like, oh, Andrew can deal with it. I would go over and help that person. The entire party just ignores her. I do think at the end of this section after, no, even at the end of this section, nobody comes up and says anything to her. She's crying by herself until the main character shows up. Main character comforts her, and then we go back to bed, she wake up the next morning. She start crying during that time. She's playing the thing, and then she's like, I'm going to start crying, and you sit there with her. Yeah, that doesn't make it any better, Andrew. She's playing no, I'm just depressing saying, it's not like music. She was crying up there by herself before. I was just clarifying. She might as well have been. She was um, crying through her harp. Just because she wasn't physically crying doesn't mean she wasn't going through a large emotional toll. Sure. All I'm saying is it's like garbage that the party just doesn't even care. Like, who wrote this storyline? Who is the heartless individual or individuals that said, yeah, this makes total sense that only the main character would care about her problems. Oh, by the way, go to bed and get up the next morning and immediately move on. Because even Serena goes, I understand I have to pull it together right now and I have to do what's right for everybody. Okay, listen, Serena, here's the thing. Sure, you, we, we got to go out and we got to do this thing. But at no point, If you need to just sit down and take a break and cry, do it. I don't care if we're in the middle of the fight with the Dark One. Do it. Because it is unacceptable for any of these heartless individuals to be like, um, just suck it up and move on. And that's what it feels like they're doing in this section. Because you go to bed and then you get up and you talk to the dude and he's like, oh, by the way, Veronica... Spirit seems to have given me this harp or whatever. And this harp is, or not harp, this clarinet, whatever. And, you know, Veronica was always good with the flute, and she was always so much better at at the flute than Serena was. Okay, whoa, they did not say that. Let's relax. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Serena herself says that. Nobody else says that. They still say it, and it's not like the the priest gets up and says, 
So Serena dumps on herself and nobody says anything. So they're like, yeah, we totally agree. You absolutely sucked at the flute versus Veronica. Because then she immediately gives the flute over to you because she's like, I'm garbage at this and I can't do it. Nobody encourages her. Nobody like tries to lift her spirits up. I I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. And that's I think fine. you might be a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but you're by saying that, you're just as heartless as they are. I'm not the one who said that I didn't feel anything in this section myself. I'm Yeah, I know. You said that you were very hurt that Veronica is dead. But the rest of the party doesn't care. Do you find that acceptable? You, give, me an, give me an example of story where the party, other than the main character, seems to legitimately care that she's dead outside of the funeral when everybody is just there. I mean, you say give me an example in the story, but like, there's not much that's happened since then, which is kind of the thing. Like exactly, nothing has happened with any of this since then. We've gone. But nothing has happened. Period. Since then, basically, we what have do you a, mean, a period. Fetch, we have a fetch quest, and that's it. We have a fetch quest where we go to a city, have a lot of dialogue with the Sultan, go to another city, have a lot of dialogue with the whatever she is, the leader of the town. There's a ton of stuff that happens. Okay, but has anybody talked about anything else that, ha that happened in these story quests since we left? No one has mentioned Pang or Rab, like Hendrik hasn't said anything. The it's all just being very compartmentalized. You finish one arc and okay, now we're moving on to the next and we're just forgetting about like the game is just like, okay, it's time for the next thing, which comes back to like, we were talking about how it's bad at foreshadowing and stuff because each thing is like, it, it almost feels like rather than one big story, it's a bunch of like short stories that we're just passing through. And then we move on to the next one. Yeah. But here's the biggest difference. Literally everybody else's story has worked out for them. Everyone else's story has ended in happiness for them. Serena's story ended in her sister dying. Well, I mean, it, it ended in her, you know, trying to accept her situation and stuff because the dying happened a little while ago. It didn't end with that. Even in the context of the story, like it, it, the ending is her trying to find that resolve, not that Veronica died. Within one day, yeah, which is important because time. within one day, evening she has to come to terms with it that's just how storytelling works because they're not going to have us walk around for three months or whatever while she get she deals with it like that's just no no story does that things always move quicker than is probably realistic in every story so is it unrealistic to me to say it's bad storytelling that they don't at least bring it up later when well, so, well, other tragedies I, I guess, happen i guess what i'm saying is this is hardly just a dragon quest thing that's just how narratives tend to be I don't know, man. I've seen plenty of movies where somebody dies and they literally can't get over it for the entire movie. But like, if we go back to Final Fantasy, like the Final Fantasy VII remake, we talked about how we thought it was good that they got to see B see Barrett, you know, having emotions or whatever. But after that one section, it's it's gone. Like that, just they tend to just not go past that. Like they tend to just. And I wasn't happy about that up. either. No, well, you specifically talked about how you thought it was good, how much attention they gave to it, and then it moves on. It was good that they gave attention to it, but that doesn't mean... Was I not complaining in the immediate episodes after that that he's like not going out of his way to literally only figure out his daughter? Because as a father, like I don't care at that point. And, and he almost immediately finds out that she's safe. 
But there's also a huge difference here. Barrett was constantly leaving his daughter behind in the first place to go and do his hate mission against uh, whatever the company is, because I don't remember. Shinra. <laughs> Serena has been attached to Veronica her entire life. It's not like Serena went off to go with the Luminary by herself. Veronica was with her. There's a huge difference. In my opinion, I don't know, man, to me, I just feel like glossing over it within one day. And yeah, I don't expect the game to say, okay, well, we have to, we, we have to like rewind three months or we have to do this or whatever, but you could have done that on as a transitionary period between act one and act two or sorry, act three or act two and act three and been like over the course of like a month, she was able to get this resolve and you could have resolved it from that perspective, not go, Oh, one night she's literally over it. Okay. As someone who's lost a loved one, I can 100% guarantee you there is no physical way or emotional way that literally anyone on the planet is better in one evening, man. That's just, that's I, insane. I, I didn't say that was the case. I'm just saying that that's how it almost always goes in pretty much any story that gets told, because even if it's not realistic, it's one of those things like you, you, you try to cut downtime so that you keep the story moving. So they couldn't have just said, okay, after about a week, the party moves on. There couldn't have been some sort of thing where Serena took a week to herself. I, I don't to know. Kinda... I mean, like I said, like at this point, we're t- it's, it's, it's much more than just a Dragon Quest thing. That's a every, almost every story that's ever been told thing. And that, and that you can have an issue with that. I'm just saying, like, I don't think it's fair to point to Dragon Quest specifically and say, oh, this is like a super egregious thing because it's just, almost everything does it this way, whether you think it's good or not. I, I kind of have to disagree with you there, but okay. I've seen plenty of stories where they they don't just get over it immediately just because that's, oh, well, that's the end of this storyline. There's plenty of examples that I've played in the past where this is the defining moment for a character and they hold it with them for the rest of the narrative. Listen, Andrew, all I'm saying is from my perspective, the entirety of act two has just been horrible. I don't know if they gave this whole story section to their B team or what, but this entire section of act two, I could have just done without because in, and I don't know, maybe everyone's like, Oh, well, and like you were saying, well, other things do that. So that's just the way it is. I don't know. To me, it kind of feels like, why can't we strive to be a little bit better? Because that's not realistic. That's not at all realistic to how, emotions actually work and even just like a fast forward of serena took some time to herself maybe you don't maybe serena stays in town for a little bit and you don't actually get her back yet because it see they they love to just like do this to you anyway they could have put this entire section at the front they could have put serena's section at the very front and the rest of the party isn't even there They could have had you starting off in Arborea. They could have had you, and then it would have made sense that nobody came around to find Veronica at all. The main character would have been the only person with Serena, 
And the rest of the party, it wouldn't even matter because they weren't even there. Serena, they could have, you could have left Serena there and said, I understand you need to do this. Let me go out and find our other people. And then we're going to come back here and we're going to figure this out. They could have easily made it. So that way, just doing things in a different order. Sure. Realistically, it would have been like a couple of weeks. But that's still, if you had presented it in just a different order, instead of presenting it the way that you do, by the time the rest of the party gets there, Serena could have been like emboldened and been like, I've got to do this. I've got to take out the dark one. And she could have had like this amazing growth moment. It's, it's, it's not that she isn't having a growth moment now, but it seems kind of cheap because it's like, her skill tree has not changed, and it's just like, oh, Veronica's inside her now, so suddenly she has all this ultimate power that she didn't even gain herself. She just got it because Veronica's now living in her or something. It just feels to me like they could have done this way better, and they just flubbed it, and it seems like they flubbed all of Act 2. I, I'm sitting here thinking about my general feelings on... Act two, I, I definitely agree that I act two has been obviously tonally very different, and I don't think it's been as solid as act one. But I'm just start, like I, I'm, I'm just thinking a little bit because I mean you're not wrong; they could have done it in a different order. That would have been hmm. That would have required some other changes, but those are all changes that would have that could have been done. I don't think it would have been anything that would have been like game breaking or whatever. Obviously, because they could have put it together in whatever order they wanted. I mean, like I, you're obviously you're correct. You know, a a, a person in real life doesn't you know get over it the next day or or th- things like that. Of, of course not. But that that's very common. And Dragon Quest being the being what it is, I'm not surprised they did this because, like I said, for the most part, other than the surprise of like losing to the to, to Mortigan in Act One, it really hasn't deviated a whole lot from from the tropes for for good or for ill, and that's basically what I expected because that's kind of how Dragon Quest has always been. So I'm not I, I, I'm not surprised by this in, in this particular thing. You know, I, I I'm sure. There are, there are examples that you can name off that uh, there are ones that aren't immediately I'm like I, I'm not thinking of anything at the moment but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist I'm sure you're right but all, like all the stories that I keep thinking of are where, where this exact sort of thing happens and it's just kind of following in that sort of vein so but I also see why this would hit you like this would bother you a lot more than it might bother me as someone who has lived through, through that you know certainly in it both more frequently and more recently than I've had to go through anything like that. And with people that were much closer to you. So I, I certainly, you know, nothing you're saying is like, I, I definitely get it as much as I can get it as not having lived through it. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't, I, I truly don't mean to derail the entire podcast. And for anyone who had to just sit there and listen to me rant about this, like, I, I'm sorry, but it, it, it's just, it's so annoying to me when, because it's 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 part of the main problem in general with society. It's like so so men are taught from a very young age that oh you shouldn't show emotions. You should just hold everything inside and that's just the way it should be because you're a man and that's how it works. 
that is like the most psychologically damning thing that you could do to literally any person, man or woman. I mean, yeah, definitely no argument there as a, in general, our culture is very unhealthy about emotions in a lot of ways. And, you know, obviously that's a discussion that goes far beyond anything that we could ever talk about because we're neither of us are experts on that. But you're you're certainly not wrong there. And and to just say to Serena, it's like, oh, figure it out in one day. It's like, oh, come on. This just whether that happens in other story or not, it shouldn't. Because if 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 a game wants to have a, a major loss like that, you've got to have some sort of you've got to present it in a way that that truly signifies like how much of an impact that truly has on a person. Because it's just not it's so unrealistic to present it in, okay, well just suck it up and figure it out because the dark ones to deal with. And that's why I was saying just do it in a different order. Meet Serena first. And and sure, that would have been like, oh, well, the entire point you're going to Arboreas to figure this thing out. But we didn't even find out that information about the cloud thing until we get to Rab anyway. And we didn't even find out about, like, the guy didn't even think about it. The, the priest guy didn't even think about that as a potential thing until you were like, oh, by the way, I heard something about how this happened before. And he, he was like, oh, overnight, I suddenly figured out a solution. What? They could have just had Serena's thing first. Serena could have been there dealing with her with her grief, working with the priest to help rebuild or, or whatever they needed to do and, and help out the society of Arborea. And during that process, they could have been like, oh, yeah, we totally we know exactly what to do. You know, it hit Serena one night with the the flute and everything. And you could have got some touching thing about how Veronica goes inside her then or whatever. I don't know. All I'm saying is I feel like there's a way that they could have presented it that wasn't just, oh, OK, well, she's good. And you're right. I haven't played the rest of the game. I have absolutely the only things I've done so far are. At this, because at this point we get a we get a fetch quest which we'll talk about uh, for a few minutes in a second, but I went to Gondolia, I went to Hoto, and I got the ore. So like those are the only three things that I've done. I've went on a massive fetch fetch quest. Yeah, which those three things are the three components of the fetch quest. And so there are story things that happen for two of those locations to a lesser degree the third, but it's really just go get the ore. <laughs> well, I mean, like, really, other than going to Hada, which is the last one of the three that you need to get to anyway, there's, I mean, yeah, there's Stumblebury, but barely. I don't know. I mean, going into Galapolis, not, not Gondolia, Galapolis, by the way, There, there's something interesting that happens in Galapolis that is definitely worth diving into. Um but before we get into that, basically, we... we So, from here, you know, after this moment, we, we go, and like Chris was saying, we get the flute thing. It isn't even really a flute, because it transforms into a fishing rod, which was really weird. Yeah, like, what was up with that? It's this flute that turns into a fishing rod that you then have to reel in. Like, what is going on? Yeah, it's very surreal. It and yeah, you throw it over the edge and then you reel in this like a gigantic cloud whale. Yeah, I 
It's a flying whale. Like, that's what it is. I don't know how else to describe it. It's like Appa, but a whale. So more and- Avatar influences. <laughs> You're riding around on a gigantic Appa <sighs> whale thing. It's even got the same color palette. It, it does, actually. I, I didn't think about that, but as soon as you said Avatar, I'm like, yeah, it does actually look, if it wasn't a whale, I mean, it does look very similar. Like, everything in this game is just a, hey, look. And so this game is Ready Player One with its bad storytelling in Act Two, and it's just blatant <laughs> ripoff of everybody else's content. That's what I'm learning. That's what I'm learning that Dragon Quest is, is just a blatant ripoff of everyone else's content and lazy storytelling. At least that's the lesson that I'm learning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But so as you go, so now we can fly. I mean, it's very similar to how you would expect flying to work in these sorts of things. Instead of an airship, it's a whale. But, you know, you have designated points you can land at. and Except it's so stupid because the designated points that you land at are just like random points in the middle of nowhere. It's not like I can fly to Hoto or whatever. It's- yeah, but, but uh, there's a couple things about that. One, you can actually cast zoom off of the whale. So if you want to go to a specific place, you can do that. Yes, but I shouldn't have to. I'm on a flying whale. But two, what it actually reminded me of was, do you remember in Final Fantasy X where you could type in those codes and land in random places and stuff? That's kind of how I felt here. Except instead of typing in codes, you just like can go to these random spots that are lit up or whatever. But it was the same sort of, you know, oh, I can get into areas that I had no way to get to before, and there's a treasure chest or whatever, and it's a small little something, and I definitely went around and did that. I'm not going to say that it isn't interesting, but what I am going to say is it's annoying because you have a flying whale that can go anywhere, and you have designated places for it to stop, and none of them are anywhere you actually want to go outside of, hey, I want to go get this chest. You basically just have a flying chest seeker that can occasionally stop on an island. It's, I mean, yeah, like, you're not wrong in that sense. that It is kind of weird, the limited, the relative limited number of spots. I didn't spend hardly any time on it in general because, like, I didn't want to fly and, you know, not be able to get EXP and, and stuff like that anyway. Typically, I tend to not rely on these things too much when I play a game. So I didn't really think about it, but I mean, you're not wrong. It is definitely kind of strange that your landing zones are fairly limited. Well, the first place I wanted to land is the only one I couldn't, which was the Slime Island. (laughs) Of course. So again, and what's even more annoying is, did you ever go to Honolulu? Honolulu? I have an act too, but um, I, well... I haven't yet, but I will be soon because I know there's a side quest there I was going to go grab. Yeah, there's a side quest there. So I took my ship all the way. Oh, and I figured out there's things you can buy called holy water mm-hmm. and it works on the sea. So you don't have to fight anything if you don't want to. Oh, the uh, like the, the like scares away monsters or whatever. Yep. What's even better is you can fight the Kraken, the giant octopus Kraken creature uh, when you're going across the sea as well. Like, now, what was a final boss in one of the acts is just, like, a random mob that spawns, which I thought was kind of funny. Because the first thing I did upon retrieving Serena and realizing that Veronica's not coming back is, of course, going to Slime Island. I mean, 
I should not even remotely be surprised by that because you're right. Like, of course, that would be your solution. The question I have for you is, is, is what level are you right now? Um, the luminary is 54, I believe. Everybody's like l- low 50s right now. So assuming that I've only played for about, you know, four to five hours ish, because I really haven't played a ton, if I'm being honest. What level do you think I am right now? Uh, mid 60s. I'm 68. Wow. That's almost a very nice number. <laughs> and I would have continued if it wasn't for the fact that we had to record and I need <laughs> to go <laughs> figure out this stuff. If it wasn't for those meddling kids. Yeah. If it wasn't for this stupid fetch quest, because then it's like, oh, you got to go to this island. So I go to the island and, and meet, I guess. I mean, I'm going to be honest. The only thing I could think of was like Mr. Popo crossed with a Namekian. I wanted to say like a non-distinct Mr. Popo because Mr. Popo is clearly like super racist. Yeah, but like the same sort of like he has like a flying temple thing and stuff was why I kept thinking of Mr. Popo. Well, here's the thing, man. I mean, that temple is not Popo's. That flying temple is Kami's. Popo just happens to be there. He just he just hangs out. And then occasionally has training with the Dragon Ball crew that is like the most creepy, awkward, weird training that you'll ever experience. Which is why they ramped that up super high in the abridged series. Yeah. <laughs> to where Popo is just like an insane like devil creature that is constantly just out to kill things in the abridged version. Yes. And is probably fairly accurate to be perfectly honest. And and so you get there. He was always super creepy. This thing basically tells you, Oh yeah, there used to be a bunch of islands, but they were all destroyed when the dark one came. And I was only saved because of the guiding light. Cool. I guess we're just going to go steal that. (laughs) It's like, what? I'm like, okay, you go inside that little room and this gigantic ball of light, immediately like condenses itself down and just goes into your inventory as like a lantern. What? Yes, you have a portable version of that. And all I could think there was hopefully nothing happens to you while we're off doing this because you're not going to be surviving now, kid. Yeah. Sure. Hope that the dark one doesn't come back. Cause I, I don't really know what to tell you if he does. Cause the thing that saved your life before <laughs> we're just taking it with us. I'm sure it'll be fine. If I was that, if I was Especially that the guy, way- <laughs> I'd be like, hey, uh, could you just drop me off literally anywhere else? I'm a watcher, by the way. Like, and, and everyone, when they meet the watcher for the first time, is like, oh, what is that? Wow, guys, way to be super rude. You literally, like, monsters talk. And that's okay to you, but something that looks a kind of like a monster human hybrid you're like oh i can't believe this is here what are you like could you guys be any more rude you rolled up on this guy's house and then immediately start making fun of him and then we're about to take the only safety net that he has just with us because we're the luminary but once you're in that room then there are these three yggdrasil pillar things that basically just give you the fetch quest. It says you can get the ore. Basically what we're doing is forging the sword 
because we're getting a new kind of yeah a new sort of light since the uh, since Mordigan destroyed the old one. And, and on some level, I was thinking, oh man, well, how are we going to fight more? Like this whole time, I've been thinking, how on earth are we going to fight Mordigan without the sword of light? Of course, we have to forge a new sword because of course there wasn't just a sword before. Like they uh, that yeah. definitely would have been a quest to go get the sword. And they. But yeah, so we get to see Erdwin and his group of like warriors that were following him go and yeah, get some ore that you know is apparently some kind of very important special ore. And then we go or then they go to uh Galapolis, the desert kingdom, and get a big hammer. And then there's a big forge in a fiery place, which is uh the mountain the volcano mountain where Hato is, Mount Huji, I think. Yes. I, I guess one thing actually and I meant to point this out earlier, and then I forgot while we were talking about the other thing, but this was really notable to me. Serena cuts her hair, and it's part of a thing with the, uh, you know, the, the Arborian funeral rites or whatever, but the only reason I'm mentioning it is because I think this is the only time they actually changed a character model and had it stick, because she still has the shorter hair. Unlike Rab, where it was just a joke and he went right back to normal before he joined the party or whatever, like they act, it stood out to me because it's the only time where they actually like were specifically not just an outfit change or whatever, because they've had plenty of those, but actually changed like the model itself. And I didn't want to forget to bring that up because we had talked about, you know, the low budgetness and how they did it as a joke with Rab or whatever. But then with Serena, they actually did change it. And she has very short hair now. I mean, I, I will say on some level, I can't think that that would be an a overtly big change. No, I, it just stood out to me because we had specifically talked about, you know, like, again, like compared to with Rab, where they reverted him back to normal before he ever joined the party again. And stuff. But you're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, I it's not I don't disagree with you. All I'm saying is as far as changes go, that almost seems like a outfit I mean, change it was, it was definitely a much more minimal change than like again the rab thing where he looks like master roshi or something like in terms of his like it was a huge change to his proportions and stuff that they then reverted the cutting her hair is not a whole lot but it just it was just interesting and i felt i had to mention it for that reason well and moreover that the cutting her hair thing is more signifying of this is her like coming to terms with everything and moving on right but so Having said that, what I'm actually really curious about is whether or not her sprite will have changed. So, like, next time I go to the Taco Village, because I haven't been back yet, I'm curious if I can actually visibly see a change there. But I'll, I'll have done that before next week, probably. I will be waiting with bated breath. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> yeah, so this gives us what seems like it's going to be the, not the final part of Act 2, but... Well, I guess it could be the final part of Act 2 or building towards the final part of Act 2 because we're getting the sword, and then after that, it's going to be good time to go fight, presumably. So, you know, whether the fighting is Act 3 or the fighting is the very end of Act 2, either way, we're finally coming up on the end of Act 2, I, unless there's another twist that has got in store. But this feels like we're, we're in the home stretch. Which is significantly shorter than Act 1. Oh, absolutely. Even though it took us a few episodes, it's because each of the characters, like, reuniting with them and stuff, and the extra Switch content, like, there was a lot to talk about, but time-wise, it was not nearly as long as Act 1. Which makes me wonder, what is going to happen between Act 2 and Act 3 that actually 
deserves it to be a different act. Because act one and act two, I get it. You know, the dark Mortigan one, there's a clear defining like this happened. Yeah. What's going to happen in act two? Because the other thing is the time travel theory is sort of shot now because they, this is the first time I think we have a confirmation. Like it is totally a different party. Like there are different people there. Yeah, we 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 see them, and none of them look at all like our group. So yeah, that pretty well rules that out. So so on some level, it's okay. We're definitely not the group. So what is what's the deal? Like what is what is even going on? What I I'm wondering like what is going to happen between Act Two and Act Three to signify a difference in Act. Versus just having, okay, well, this is Act 1 and this is Act 2. I mean, unless Act 3 is all the post-game stuff, which I understand it is a very, very long post-game, but I thought it was supposed to be a third act and then, act, and then the post-game was like Act 4, basically, was my understanding. But maybe maybe it's not, and Act 3 really is just like the, po- is the post-game stuff. And I guess we'll find out, because, yeah, I don't know where we're going to go from here. It ne- I, I got to be honest, man, neither do I. All I can hope is that it's just a different team that wrote Act Two, <laughs> because that team can just you know they can do whatever they they can go out and make Dragon Quest Eleven the sequel that no one's gonna buy. Eleven two. Yeah, they they can be the beat. They can be Cars Two and planes. Well, yeah, specifically in, in planes. Well, Cars 2, I don't think, was bad, but they can be whatever. Well, wait, yeah, Cars 2 was horrible. <laughs> they can be Cars 2, and then they we can come back for the A-team for Cars Honestly, 3. Honestly, like, other than The Incredibles, were any of the Pixar, and, like, the Toy Story movies, were any of the Pixar sequels any good? Not really. Cars 3 was not bad. I never saw Cars 3, honestly, because I didn't like Cars 2, and I wasn't super into the first one. Cars 3 was definitely not... It was definitely not bad. It was like this whole... I mean, Monsters University was pretty meh. I I, I actually kind of liked Cars 3, especially the way that Cars 3 ended. Like, I feel like the ending was great. Okay. You really got to check out Cars 3, man, because I think it's... I Personally, I think it's better than one, and it's w- way better than two. Okay, well, I'll have to take a look then, I guess, because... Yeah, Cars was always my least favorite of the Pixar franchises. So. I don't think it's great. I just think it's definitely better than anything better ones. than cars too. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a very low I, bar anything. other than like, other than like planes, which is apparently even worse <laughs> planes. We don't even need to talk about planes. I've never planes seen was actually it. even Pixar. I'm pretty sure it was a, one of Disney's side teams. It's like the B team of the B team. Yeah. It's like the B teams, B team. So we're on like the, the the D or E team at this point. Well, and if it's not Pixar, then because the B team of Pixar is not bad. I mean, they're not great, but but the big defining thing between Incredibles and Incredibles Two is, from my understanding, they have everybody back for Incredibles Two, and they specifically said we are not going to do an Incredibles Two unless it's not unless it's going to be great. It's like we're not I, even going to bother doing. I still don't think it was quite it. as good as the first one. It was still a good movie, but I don't. I don't think it was quite as good as as the original. I'd have to kind of remember everything that happens in Incredibles too. It's yeah, but not what we're here for. <laughs> I, I don't uh, know. Maybe this is the content that everybody's really after. They're like, "What I, is? 
what is their opinions on Incredible 2? Why was Incredibles 2 not as good as Incredibles 1? And the, it's in the name. It's incredible. <laughs> I've seen Incredibles 2. I, I, the, here's the thing. I feel like it's got to be worse than Incredibles 1 because I remember seeing it and I remember liking it, but I can't remember anything that happens. <laughs> so, <laughs> admittedly, I've seen Incredibles 1 far like because I watched that movie so many times. Yeah, that was really that was that's one of my favorite Pixar movies. It's like probably it's either second or third probably of the, my favorite Pixar movies. Well, what's your first favorite Pixar movie? My first favorite's definitely Up. Really? I really like Up. Interesting. It's not that I don't like Up. I just wouldn't have picked that as your as your favorite. And then the one that I'm debating whether it's second or third is Wally. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like I I. I I definitely liked Wally more than I liked Up. I don't get me wrong; fair. I loved both movies, but Wally was just so. The fact that they could tell you a story with next to no dialogue and it be like this, just amazing. Like you just feel so much for for this robot and oh, Wally yeah, and fantastic. Eve, and it's just it's so amazing. And it's like the captain is just kind of like there. Wally's just so good. Yeah. What they were able to do with with just like so little it, it's it's just so good. Now, if you were to ask me what's my favorite Pixar movie in general, honestly, it would probably be Wally, but it's so hard for me to pick like favorites. On yeah. Anything. I mean, Wally the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, yeah, Wally's definitely number 2 and The Incredibles is 3 because like as soon as we're talking about it, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, "Oh, man, that was such a good movie. I don't know what it was, though. Something about Up just really resonated with me, and it's always stuck with me. I mean, like, I, I, re- like the, I really like almost like most of the things Pixar has done, but maybe it was just the moment I saw it in my life. I don't know what, but it just really hit me and stuck with me. I Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love Up, too. <laughs> Not Up, too, but I love Up as well. I will say, yeah, do not bring a sequel to Up into existence. That is incredibly cursed. <laughs> yeah, you find out the kid immediately dies or something, and and then the the, the whole story Up Two is about the dog. Oh God, stop! <laughs> it's about Doug. Like the grandpa dies, and then the kid goes into a massive depression, and then <laughs> I mean, if. Up to, as told by the Act 2 team of Dragon Quest Eleven, Or, I guess, the Cars 2 team. (laughs) No, because Up up 2 would literally just be about Larry the Cable Guy. (laughs) Well, no, it would be a movie entirely about Doug, would be the equivalent. As played by Larry the Cable Guy. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever happened to him? Racing. What's going on with Larry these days? I I I gotta look that up. I got to see what's going on with Larry these days. And while he's looking up Larry the Cable Guy <laughs> um, trivia, I guess. But that's going to do it for this Did episode. Did you watch the- Greatest Showman after we wrapped last time? No, because I since I don't have a job, all my, my subscriptions are canceled. Here's the so thing. I also brutal. did not watch Bill and Ted after we after we wrapped last time either, even though I said I was so. Going to. So we're both liars is basically what we're what's happening here. Unfortunately, yes. 
I do it really enjoy that movie. Although now I'm probably gonna watch Wally <laughs> like immediately because honestly, of like course that's I what I wound up doing with Disney Plus when I did have it was I kept telling myself, Oh, I'm gonna finally go back and catch up on all these shows or whatever. I watched like every Disney movie and that was and then I that was it. And all the Pixar stuff. Bro, I, I immediately watched Brink. I there is something about that movie that I love. It's not good. I'm sorry. You watched what? Brink. The that's the like the rollerblade movie. I don't even know if I remember this, bro. I watched Brink so many times as a kid. Every time it was on, Brink was one of my favorite movies as a child. I don't know why, but I recently rewatched it again, and I was like, you know what? Still like it. Still like Brink. You know, there are parts of it that just does just I don't care about. I still like Brink, man. What I'll get you that Disney Plus password and you got to promise me as a part of that, that you have to watch Brink. You know, we'll have a watch. (laughs) We'll have a watch party for Brink. You can do that on Discord. I'm pretty sure you can do like watch parties and stuff. So me and you Brink watch have a movie night for all the. Nobody else is going to want to watch Brink, though. I'm just forcing you to do it. <laughs> I like, just don't want to suffer alone. Nobody is going to want to watch that. People watch Wally, but no one's going to want to watch Brink. It's not great, but I, for some reason, I like it. I don't know why. And this isn't, I don't like it nearly as much as, like, I know up, this isn't one of those situations. I just, I don't know, man. I just like Brink. I mean, more power to you. But to go back to what I was in the middle of saying, that's going to do it for this episode of Video Games Cover to Cover, unless Chris has something else he'd like to bring up. I mean, Brink was really the only thing that I had at the moment. Okay. I mean, because we could talk about movies for a while. Like, I, I could start going off on the entire, like, Disney animated library and stuff. Don't like Disney as a company. Love their movies. And I kind of hate myself that I love their movies so much. But as always, you can find us on Twitter or via Discord. I or can't via believe email. you're just coming out and attacking Disney on this podcast. Like, thanks, man. You know, not that we were ever going to get any sort of sponsorship from Disney, but we're certainly not now. Look, if you can't trust us to give you the unbiased truth about things that mostly don't matter, why are you even listening? Well, here's from my perspective Disney. Nothing that he is saying has any impact on your ability to potentially give me money to promote Disney someday. I just want to point that out there. I will shill your products all day. I love your products. I have no discernible opinion on you as a company. Fair enough. I will take money all day. (laughs) Andrew, you've got to remember, is the one with these... What what is that? What is that? What is that disclaimer? Like the word words in this thing are not endorsed by something by the the channel or whatever. Yeah, the words of, of Andrew are not endorsed by Chris. So I, I, I don't know. Disney, give give me give me money. <laughs> As always, our contact information will be in the episode description. I I wanted to make some sort of a plea towards Disney, but I am the luminary. <laughs> <laughs>